0: Hi, Tig. Hi, Robin. How you doing? You know, some people feel we're separated for, at birth.
1: We're we, the same we, person. We
0: are the same person. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many people do you know are from past Christian, Mississippi? I know a few people from past Christian, Mississippi.
1: <laughs> but uh, out in the world, it's rare.
0: That's rare. Yeah. Right. And 2012 was a year for both of us that yeah. neither one of us are going to forget. So that's Tig Nataro, stand-up comic. And in 2012, Tig was at a comedy club in Los Angeles, and that's where she first told the world something most people would not find very funny.
1: Good evening. Hello. I have cancer. How are you? Hi. How are you? Is everybody
0: having a good time? I have cancer. How are you? Uh, It's a good time. Tig did the unthinkable, announcing her cancer diagnosis in her stand-up act, shocking her audience. But in the process, something remarkable happened. Because when Tig decided to speak openly, she showed all of us that it's possible to look head-on at our worst fears, to face them with grace and, well, dark humor.
1: Diagnosed with cancer. (sighs) Feels good. Just diagnosed with cancer.
0: So, on today's show, a look at how one woman's stand up routine helped her stand up to cancer. Redefining courageous by doing something outrageous. Feel it in your heart, feel it in your soul. Everybody's got a little something. Something that makes them feel gold. Hey there, I'm Robin Roberts, and this is my podcast, Everybody's Got Something, a phrase my mama always used to say. I like it because everybody, and I mean everybody, faces a life challenge at some point or another. And see, it's those very times when we discover incredible resources of courage, wisdom, and inner strength. The gift to realize just who we truly are. And that's what this podcast is all about. Finding the best of yourself, no matter what life hands you. On Good Morning America, I have been privileged to hear so many amazing stories. Now, I invite you to join me to keep those conversations going. And along the way, encourage each other to laugh, love, and live life to its fullest. Alright, so I've been hearing a lot about Tig Nataro, my guest today. Mostly that she was hilariously funny, and friends kept telling me you gotta check her out. So I did. And what I heard, which I'm about to play for you, cracked me up. It's from her performance at the Aspen Rooftop Comedy Festival.
1: Uh I did some shows in Mexico. And like everywhere I go, as soon as I check into my hotel room, I immediately hang the Do Not Disturb sign on the door. Or for the Spanish speaking, No moleste. That was kind of a creepy feeling. Hanging that on my door before bed. Nope. No molesting. Not tonight.
0: Then I found out that she grew up in my hometown. That she'd had cancer. That her mother died while she was ill. And I started thinking, man, I've got to talk to her. Turns out, Tig had been thinking the same thing especially after I'd gone public myself with an announcement, take a listen, this is how it all went down on a day that I will never, ever forget. Now sometimes treatment for cancer can lead to other serious medical issues, and that's what I'm facing right now. It is something that is called MDS, myeloplastic syndrome, and it is a rare blood disorder that affects the bone marrow.
1: Yeah, I mean, when I was watching what you were going through, I kept feeling like, God, I wish I could meet or know this person. You know what? It's so funny because I
0: thought the same thing. Yeah. You know, people, I mean, there were so many similarities, even with our mother's passing uh-huh. during a very critical time yeah. yeah and i was like okay i you know i i really want to reach out to her but i'm sure that a lot of people are talking to her and people are talking to me yeah and it was just meant to be but i i really feel like kindred spirits in some way i know and oh by the way we both have these terrific women who have helped us yeah have loved us through a very yeah, difficult yeah. period in our lives too Yes, yeah, soon you'll hear how the woman in Tig's life factors into Tig's remarkable story. But first, I got to tell you, we were just getting jazzed about all the weird synchronicity.
1: Yeah, it's um, <laughs> like past Christian, <laughs> Mississippi, gay, cancer, lose your mother. Yeah. And public
0: uh, figures. Right. But where it stops, mm-hmm. I am not funny. I've got a great sense of humor, but it was really funny. We did this test on Good Morning America because we're always doing these different things. And so it was like a personality test, and it said that I would either be a songwriter or a stand up comic. Wow. It did say that, but I chose to do a songwriting with uh, India R. Reed.
1: Are you musical? No, not really. Oh,
0: okay. But I'm more musical than I am comical. What is it like to get up there? On, I'm always afraid I would, I would, I would just bomb. Yeah, you probably would.
1: <laughs> I think to me, you know, people, I guess, public speaking is everyone's biggest fear. Right, one of the biggest fears. And when people ask me what it's like, and aren't I scared or nervous, or and I, I always explain it in that, you know, if I was sitting outside of a an operating room. Mm-hmm. And the nurse was like, the, the doctor's not here. We need somebody. Can you come in? I would I would be horrified. I don't know what I'm doing. I'd be nervous. And that I'm not supposed to be doing. But with stand-up, I just, I feel so comfortable. And um, it's just exhilarating. It's not, it just, that's what I'm, that's what I do. So I'm, I'm comfortable with that.
0: And you make us comfortable, even though I was a little bit afraid with the podcast because You have these long pauses when you do.
1: I wasn't sure what you were doing. I was like, "Is she? Is something happening?
0: (laughs) Is she having a seizure right now?" But you do put us at ease. It's because, like with most comics, you can just take something, just everyday life, Uh you know, and find the humor in it. But how were you able to find the humor with cancer? that was just it was it was it was pure gold and people talked about it actually being it was like an instant classic what uh-huh. you did
1: um you know it was i felt compelled to do it i didn't know how to not do that and um i think that after so many things happening in in that four month period of time when i got my cancer diagnosis that was when I was just like, this is ridiculous. Now I have invasive cancer after everything else. I think to some degree I was also asking for help, mm, you know? What do you mean by that? I was just in a dark place and I was scared and I, I, you know, I felt like I had lost everything around me. I needed to know it was going to be okay. I didn't know how to know it was going to be okay because... Everything was ripped out from under me so quickly. I honestly went on stage that night thinking, this is probably going to go terribly, but no part of me could go on stage and make lighthearted jokes like I did before. And so I just thought, I have to just take this chance. And every, almost every time I take some crazy chance in life, I feel like it, pays off you know
0: yeah and i'm so glad you're always very honest but especially now because so many people i know with me and for you people are always coming up and saying how you've helped them through Mm -hmm. a very difficult time and for them to hear you say i needed help Uh i was afraid because all they see is the end result and you're on stage and your life is going forward but they need to know you had those dark times, too. Oh, my gosh. So
1: dark. I remember, I feel like as soon as you're diagnosed with cancer, the word brave is always used. And it's not that people aren't brave or that I wasn't brave. It's just I really struggled with that word because I was sobbing on my couch and I didn't feel brave. And I didn't know what brave meant, you know. And... uh It was a hard title for me to take on or label because I didn't – it was the first time I really had to examine what bravery was. And I would always picture, you know, when people called me brave and I was lying on my couch crying, wanting my mother, who was dead, and then I pictured military from the front lines, you know, going, oh, we – We heard there's a brave person in here. We need you to be on the front lines of, you know, and I'm like, oh, I want my mommy. I want my mommy. Yeah. And it's like, I I couldn't figure out what
0: brave meant. You know what? Again, I'm just, I'm going check, check things that you're saying that I I felt too. I don't care how old you are. Uh When you're sick, you want your mommy. Mm -hmm. I was very surprised when my mother passed away because I always, I always feared that moment Mm -hmm. and that, um, I was never going to be happy again. And what we were going through, we both were very close to our moms. And at a time that we really needed them, um, unfortunately, they left us. Here's Tig talking about her mother in an astoundingly personal and honest documentary aptly named Tig. In it, she describes her mother's unexpected death and the ache she was left with.
1: My mother understood me in a way that was different from other people. When I lost my mother, I I truly lost the person that understood
0: me the most. My goodness, talk about a brutal year. First, Tig got pneumonia. Then she contracted a life-threatening intestinal bacterial disease known as C. diff. When she got out of the hospital, she got the worst news of all. My guest today, comic Tig Notaro, is known for her dark sense of humor. She brilliantly caught people off guard by revealing her breast cancer diagnosis in her stand-up routine. But right before the cancer diagnosis, she'd been through many months of, well, sheer hell. Contracting pneumonia, then C. diff. And then, when she got out of the hospital, getting the worst news of all, her mother had died. Tig still very sick, was of course devastated.
1: So I I was losing half a pound a day and I just thought, well, I'm for sure going to die. Um, and then I thought, it makes sense. I was trying to make sense of it that, well, I guess I'll just follow my mother into the grave. You know, that wow. that I, I was just so desperate to make sense of this, you know, to be picking out her clothes for her Casket and f- maybe I would have two months to live if I continued to deteriorate.
0: You get a real understanding of Tig's mom, her unique way of being in the world, and how she lived unfiltered, saying what she wanted to say, doing what she wanted to do, when she is described by Tig in her documentary.
1: She had this fierce inner strength. When I had issues as a kid, like, oh, this is happening, she would always, you know, tell them to go to hell. If they have a problem, tell them to go to hell. And it just, it gave me this confidence.
0: Okay, so when you have a mom like that, I guess you're you're destined to be Tig, the taro. <laughs> I, I, think uh, I, mean, so. I mean, really.
1: I am I, a mellow version of my mother. Wow. Um, yeah, she's a very, very loud, gregarious, funny, wild person.
0: Yeah, I, I love uh, how you, you talk about how... You know, she fed you all three meals at the same time. Yeah, Hosed you guys down.
1: Yeah, I mean, truly. <laughs>
0: oh, come on. No, truly. Oh, I thought that was she no. Didn't, she not, didn't really do that. I, you
1: have no idea who my mother was.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. I thought that was just a
1: joke. No, no. She she was like, oh yeah, y'all loved it. You know, I'd put you in your high chairs, feed you, hose you down, put you in the grass, run around, dry off, <laughs> and she used the back of our home as um her canvas. She painted wow. the outside of our house, like donkeys and clowns and giraffes and everything. <laughs> when did you know
0: that you were funny?
1: I was sitting at lunch in elementary school. I was probably in first grade. And, um, and I was eating my Fritos, the little bag of Fritos. Sure. But they were upside the bag. I had opened the bag upside down. And this is not, I'm going to warn everyone, this is not <laughs> funny. But, as a kid, I thought it was hilarious that that my fritos were upside down when I was eating them that the actual corn chips were upside down were upside down and i I just i I couldn't even deal with it. I was so into Amelia Bedelia she took things very literally uh-huh. and I think it really informed my sense of humor she um she was a housekeeper and her the people that hired her would leave a to-do list for her. Right. And it would say things like, draw the drapes. And then she would set up an easel and um, draw a picture of the drapes. That Uh kind of humor destroyed me as a child. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
0: oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if
1: that answers when did (laughs) I know I was
0: funny. But that's the beauty of humor. Where do you come up with your material now?
1: Really, I think you develop. An extra sense as a comedian, and it's you know, right. material will strike me in the most random ways and times.
0: But do you find yourself when you're at a dinner party or something, and someone's like, "Make me laugh, come on." Do they? Why is it that everyone feels it's horrible that comics that they that you're well, hello, everybody. Yeah, like yeah, you're yeah. In, <laughs> you to walk in.
1: Yeah, no, it's um, that's a rough part of it. It, it definitely. Um, can be exhausting when people approach you in that way. And so much pressure. And, and I, don't, I don't put pressure on myself to be funny, even on stage, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> but I got to tell you, funny comes naturally to my friend Tig. Even after her mom died, as sad as she was, she found herself on stage describing an experience that, for someone else, would have caused outrage.
1: After we buried her, the hospital... Sent my mother a questionnaire <laughs> to see how her stay at the hospital went. <laughs> mm, not <laughs> not great.
0: I have often said the things that I've gone through and the tough times, and, mm-hmm. and I've had more good than bad. Mm-hmm. But without my sense of humor,
1: at the time oh, when God. when the questionnaire arrived at her house, I was furious, and I wanted to go to the hospital, and I wanted to find whoever did this, and I I didn't mm-hmm. have a sense of humor about it. And then, you know, a month and a half later, it hit me where I was like, "It's oh, kind of funny. It's kind of funny. It takes time. Yeah,
0: it but, does." Have you found that going through everything that you have, that your humor has changed?
1: I guess I didn't know on a conscious level that I was holding on to things so tightly. And when I was in the hospital, you know, I didn't want anyone to see me like that. And to think now, I, I've just let go of all of that. It, it's fine. You can know that I'm struggling. You can know that I'm Sick. You can know that I have problems. I just I tried to keep this armor and facade of uh, I don't even know if it was a facade, but just it's none of your business. And this is my life. And then the doors blew open. And I was like, well, that actually feels better.
0: An- another checklist for me yeah. with you yeah. exactly the same way yeah. and not really, really trying to keep people at bay, not mm-hmm. really meaning to but just kind of like you said, I just was kind of doing my thing yeah, and didn't really want to share that much and we're all a little bit stronger than we think and tick. well she found out she's a lot stronger than she ever thought especially when she revealed a whole new level of personal information in her HBO special Boyish Girl Interrupted giving her audience a good look at the naked truth of her double mastectomy.
1: Of course, I'm not going to take my shirt off on my special. No.
0: You getting on stage, ripping off your top. (laughs) You know, you opted not to have the reconstructive surgery. Mm -hmm. And you get up on stage and after a while, we don't even notice that you don't have anything on.
1: Yeah. Well, I have pants on. Well, well, oh, sorry.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah. Pants and shoes. <laughs> wow. Don't lure people don't... there. With... <laughs> Tell me about that moment and why you did that. It was so incredibly powerful.
1: Well, and yeah, I didn't have reconstructive surgery. I don't have nipples. I I, I just have scars on my chest. And as soon as I got home from the hospital... I said to my friend, oh, my gosh, I, I can't wait to do stand-up topless. And um, to me, I want to make a point, a, a political statement, but I also, because I'm a comedian, I want to mm. be funny about it. And I thought that it would be amusing to, well, there's so much to it because, I was really struggling with my body after the surgery and before the surgery. I was very insecure, and I, I I just I felt really uncomfortable. And I, in time, got comfortable, and I started to see my scars as something positive that mm. my body had healed, and it was proof that I was healing. Right. And, you know, some people wow. say— God, that's so great for women and cancer survivors and yes, but I also got such a great response from just men and well, what'd they say? This one guy was like, God, he was like, you know what? This isn't about being a woman or or about cancer. This is about being a human being mm. and being okay with our bodies. And he was just he was he was so euphoric, just he it was i i was like god i love that i got chills yeah
0: hearing you say that that you said that
1: yeah it it was really an amazing feeling and that's not i mean of course so many different people had such great and different responses but that one is edged in my mind of like yeah 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 buddy
0: (laughs) and stephanie was a little nervous that night oh Uh, she was she was thrilled oh stephanie who has become a very important part of tig's journey Tig met Stephanie working on an indie comedy called In a World. At the time, neither one of them knew how much they would soon rock each other's worlds, which happened right after they made the HBO documentary Tig together. You light up. <laughs> I just say the word Stephanie and this little twinkle.
1: Well, she's in, special.
0: And of course, many of us saw the story of you all falling in love. Yeah. In fact, their love story unfolds on screen. And you watch Stephanie literally playing the straight man or woman to TIG because Stephanie was straight at the time, appearing just as a friend until everything changed. I was a little worried Mm -hmm. because the fact that she was straight at the time
1: didn't want you to get hurt. I mean, because... But here's the thing. She had never fallen for anybody. And she had never taken an interest in even... She she would she went out with a guy and then didn't want to see him again you know uh-huh. and so she was always like there's something not quite
0: right i've known many people that are like that yeah. but still it's always a little because you are a gay woman yeah. There's there's no doubt about yeah, that yeah yeah. and so i'm watching even though i know the outcome i'm like yeah. eating my popcorn watching yeah. with my partner going oh they're gonna make it <laughs> yeah. are these two are these two crazy kids gonna make it yeah spoiler alert they made it all right Not only did they fall head over heels in love, but soon after the documentary was completed, they got married. And now get this, they're the proud parents of twins, though Tig, being Tig, has her own way of explaining it.
1: Yeah, we have two little baby boy cubs. (laughs) And I I do, I feel, I, I always try and remind myself to not sound braggadocious, but I I am really as happy as I seem. And we are that compatible. And it's really tremendous to
0: experience that. And as if having twins isn't enough to keep her busy, Tig announced giving birth to another project.
1: Yeah, I have a book called um, I'm Just a Person. and uh, I like that. Why, why I'm Just a Person? I end my HBO special saying I'm Just a Person. Mm-hmm settle down I'm just a person good night I remember thinking okay I'm for sure gonna die very soon and this is not supposed to happen well why would I be special of course this could happen to me I'm I'm just Just a person. person And how am I better than somebody else?
0: That's partly why I wrote my book, Everybody's Got Something. Uh-huh. But we all have resources and gifts to help. You mm-hmm. help us with your humor, mm-hmm. um, just with your, uh, just how you approach life. Mm-hmm. So, what do you say to somebody who's got their something, whatever that something is, to help them get through it?
1: Well, I know that for myself, when I was um, lying in bed, really not sure, you know, just the highs and lows of, okay, I'm going to get through this, and then, oh, my gosh, I'm not. I'm going to die. And then, oh, my gosh, I'm going to get through this. It's just that craziness. And it was so hard, I'm sure, as you experienced, to get out of bed, to even brush my teeth, or just I felt like I weighed a ton. And But I remember thinking you know i i didn't not that i didn't want to allow myself to take time but i also didn't want to become too stagnant and mm. sucked in by it all and um i think that for me it was just a tiny just tiny steps just moving forward and and um and just in time the Great distance that you can go, even with just the tiniest little steps. And some of those tiny steps were just to brush my teeth, you know. Yeah. And um, and I think that's probably the most common thing that I tell people is is um, just I know it's it's kind of cliche. No,
0: it's not. I I think of the legendary Pat Summit, the coach of tennessee lady balls and she told me left foot right foot breathe mm-hmm. left foot right foot breathe yeah and that's just what you do yeah. you just there's no grandiose i mean if we did have some like uh okay if you do these five things yeah you too can get past you yeah i am so happy for you yeah you know Thank you. i mean because you uh, knowing what you've gone through And everyone is deserving of happiness. And yet happiness, as Tig and I realized, is not always the universal right it should be for all people. In fact, though we love our shared homeland of Mississippi, Tig and I both agreed there were some hard truths we had to face about laws of that land. In particular, the Religious Freedom Bill, as it is commonly known, which was all over the news at the time we spoke. Mississippi, the latest state to enact this kind of law. The culture war over same-sex marriage has come to Mississippi. In Mississippi, a new law allows businesses and government workers allowing businesses to refuse service to gays and lesbians on religious grounds. Thankfully, at the 11th hour, the bill was blocked by a federal judge. However, Mississippi's governor has vowed to fight for it which means it's still an idea floating around. But none of that had happened yet when Tig and I spoke. And I have to say, for both of us, it was shocking, disappointing to know how close we came to having that type of law. It felt impossible to make any sense of it. Though, as you're about to hear, we tried it hard. It's discriminatory.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, gay, lesbian, mm-hmm. transgender, mm-hmm. Um, not having. Mm -hmm. basic human rights yeah and it has caused quite a stir and it's i look at you i I hesitate because for the first time when i say mississippi i can sense from people oh the first time (laughs) Yeah. okay maybe not (laughs) okay you caught me yeah yeah, i mean i feel like yeah over the years
1: when i've said it, I have gotten the response Oh, ooh, what's that like? Or, oh my gosh, sorry That's to hear true. that. And I'm like, I, I know where that comes from, but my family and friends are not that. And so I, I actually have very warm memories and feelings about Mississippi. But yeah, with this...
0: But what do we, what do, we do here? Because, you know, my parents are buried at the National Cemetery in Biloxi, Mississippi. My father was a Tuskegee Airman. I could conceivably go home, try to buy flowers to put on their grave, and be denied. I can't wrap my mind around that that happening, Uh but I do speak highly of Mississippians, Mm -hmm. of the people there. Yeah. So what do you, what do you think? What do we do here? Uh, because you can understand on both sides, people who aren't from Mississippi and saying to us, "Like, hey, you two gay women from Mississippi, wait a minute now." Yeah. Um, but then we're like, "Oh, but that's not the Mississippi we know and well, love." Well,
1: that, that's that's the thing is, my I understand and feel the same way: the sadness and the um, frustration and confusion and. All of that. But when people say, oh, my gosh, Mississippi or Mississippians, and it's this blanket idea that it's just everybody in that state. And that's not the case. And um, there are people that have chased me down in, you know, walking the streets of Jackson that are just wanting to shake my hand and thank me for, you know, shining a positive light that not everybody is like that. And I want to go towards the positivity somehow. I, I don't know how to fix this. And wouldn't that be great if we did on yeah. the podcast today? <laughs> right now? We,
0: right now, yeah. we are going to fix this problem.
1: Yeah, but I, don't, I just don't want everyone lumped in because right. there are so many beautiful, talented, creative, open-minded, loving people there.
0: And I know people, conservative people, have come up to you and have said thank you mm-hmm. for the light mm-hmm. that you have brought to Mississippi, for the attention mm-hmm. that you have brought to Mississippi.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I want to continue to, yeah. and I want to make a difference, and I, I'm, I'm dumbfounded. Um, it, it's crazy because I got married in Paschristian, Mississippi. The local police shut down Scenic Highway Wow. And cars were backed up for miles for the. All, That's a big deal for oh, them to do that. Yeah. yeah. Everyone crossing scenic highway to go to the beach, have the wedding, shut it down again for all of us to cross. The locals were coming out of their homes, cheering us on and congratulating us. Yeah. And it was such a moment that my friends from LA and New York and. Yeah. Uh they were just like uh, thinking, oh, my gosh, Mississippi and the people here are just phenomenal. And this is nothing we could have scripted, you know. Yeah. And it was just all happening authentically. And and then right after that, I feel like, wait, what just
0: happened, you know. But you're right about not everyone mm-hmm. um our little town of the Pass.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Our mayor, Mayor McDermott, mm-hmm. has been very outspoken. Yeah. Uh, our little local paper, yeah, um, the Gazebo, uh huh, um, had a really scathing editorial, yeah, about it. And um, and it's not going to just take those of us. You're from Mississippi. Do you have any ideas? Ah, you know what? Let's put our heads together. I mean, when you talk about um, things in life that you want to be. I hope that when it's all said and done, we're not just known for me being a journalist, you being a phenomenal performer, that if you can bring about change that needs to be Mm -hmm. made, that that excites me. (laughs) Okay, we do a little something here. I know this isn't visual, but I always have to let people know. This is the fishbowl, people. It's called Don't Blink, Don't Think. You just pick it out, and the first thing that comes to your mind, just answer it. Don't think. Okay. Don't blink. All right. All right. What is it? What's a must-have
1: in your fridge? (laughs) A must-have in my fridge. I'm not even going to blink or think about that. Okay. Um, I must-have... Sparkling water. Okay.
0: Yeah. Oh, gee, you're just a you're that's a, just, you're a riot there, Tig. Uh, All right, another one. There's two more in here. Okay. All right. No, uh, Blinking uh, or thinking. Yeah, that's right. That's right.
1: I thought that was my one option. <laughs> no, and I was like, no. gosh. So I go out of the show on. Right, I wouldn't we'll do that. I, I do it. I just that. have sparkling, sparkling water. water. Thank you and good night. Uh, what's a song that brings back your happiest memory?
0: Ooh.
1: Um, you know. One of my favorite songs, and it is very tied to my mother. It reminds me of her, and it it's bittersweet, but I would say it's more sweet than bitter, is the Johnny Nash song I can see clearly now, and um, my mother went nuts over that song, and I remember um, uh, the week of her funeral was supposed to be just crazy storms on the coast on the Gulf Coast and um and it was supposed to be pouring rain on her funeral but that one day was bright shiny day and it was just edged in my mind i was looking out on the water after just like really taking in that moment and thinking about that song and it just uh it just is so
0: electrifying to me I think That is the perfect way to end this. Hey, Tig, nothing but love for you. And I you, Robin. If you're like me and you can't get enough of Tig, you won't want to miss her new comedy series, One Mississippi. It is loosely based on Tig's life, and you can find it on Amazon. Be sure and check it out. Also, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and download our next episode of Everybody's Got Something. And if you like what we're doing, Go to iTunes and write a review for us. We really would appreciate that. Meanwhile, we'd love to hear from you, your story, your something. Write to us on our website, robinpodcast.com. And before we skedaddle, a shout out to my podcast pod John, Steve, Josh, Andy, Evelyn, Alex, Gabe, Danielle, Rennie, Ida, Debbie, and Jade. Uh huh. It takes a village. Until next time, everybody, hot mess, still blessed. I'm Robin Roberts.